reading today is a uh, selection of verses throughout the Bible, uh, which can be found on the peach sheets that you were given. Um, I'll be reading a selection of the verses on the sheets, but Phil will be referring to more of them. Beginning with Psalm 108, verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forever. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Over the sheet, Hebrews 13, verse 21. May the Lord Jesus equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And finally, Revelation 5, verses 12 and 13. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and, on, and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. Great Chris, thank you very much. Let's pray and ask God to help us to understand his word, the Bible. Father, we pray you'd open our hearts and open our minds and open our wills to your glory today, for your name's sake we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're thinking about the glory of God alone. The end result of the Reformation was that God, uh, they've understood and shown us ever since that uh, uh, the purpose of our lives, the purpose of existence actually is to give glory to God alone. And of course it all began uh, with that man, Martin Luther, the German monk, who triggered the Reformation when he hammered his 95 theses, or his, his 95. He wanted to have a discussion. He wanted to have a debate. And so uh, he put his side of the argument. He nailed it to the uh, door of the castle church in Wittenberg in Germany. But the interesting thing is that Martin Luther, as a young monk, actually hated, hated God. And yet through his life, he changed, changed quite radically. So in the end, when he died, he died loving God. Now, how can you go from hating God to loving God? How come there was such a huge transformation through his life, such a radical and fundamental change? Because as he grew up, Martin Luther, uh, he felt, as a young monk, he felt he couldn't be joyful or happy. Because he believed that God was a judge. He believed really that God was against him, that God was out to get him in some way. And in fact, where he lived didn't really help. 
Because at the castle church in Wittenberg, uh, there was effectively, as we would call it, a lich gate. You know, the gate where you go through, through the churchyard into the church. And on that lich gate, there was a stone carving of Christ seated on a rainbow, judging the world. And the picture of Christ's face and his stone carving was that he is so full of anger as such that the veins on his, on his neck and on his forehead are just standing out as he's glaring menacingly uh, at the people in the graveyard. And so, understandably, uh, Luther would be thinking that God is uh, actually against human beings. And then uh, Luther and the Reformers made this great discovery, or a series of great discovery, which changed his life, And all of human life, I would say, forever. Because they came to understand, uh, uh, actually, that God is for us. That he likes us. In fact, he loves us. And that he's on our side. He wants us to be with him for all eternity. And Reformation thought got distilled down into the answer to five questions. The first one was this. How can a person be right with God? Well, as we've seen, grace alone. God's riches given to us freely alone. Second question. How does this grace come? How can we have access to this grace? Answer, through Christ alone. And how do we know about that? How can we find Christ? Through Scripture alone. And then the fourth question. What is our part? Faith alone. And then the final part that we're looking at this morning. So, uh, what is the result? Well, the result is glory to God's. Alone. That's what we're looking at this morning. Now, you may wonder what that has to do with Remembrance Sunday. How can war glorify God? Well, we will get to that. But first, I think we just need to stand back and get the bigger, slightly bigger picture of what life is about. Because uh, 500 years ago, the Reformation did just a brilliant job in unscrambling the frankly ungodly mess that the medieval church had got themselves into and helped us the reformation helped people uh, to see what life is really all about so first of all we're going to look at uh, just a little bit just briefly about reformation thought and uh, the, the the thinking of the reformation was that uh, uh, you know we need to be living uh, for the glory of god alone and they worked out and it's an academic level what this meant so the reformation was a wonderful rediscovery a rediscovery that we cannot work our way to heaven. It's not something that human beings can achieve. In fact, we can't do anything to save ourselves. We're in a helpless and a hopeless situation. Look at Romans 23 on our sheets. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're away from God because of our sinfulness. And uh, we're in, fact, in fact, the reformers recognize that we are hopeless and helpless, that we, we can contribute absolutely nothing, nothing to our salvation. Instead, God has done everything to get us to heaven, absolutely everything. But yet, naturally, as we were saying last week, that uh, um, you know, I, we think, well, I must be able to help God a bit. Surely my good manners must contribute a bit to, my, to God thinking I'm a nice person. Surely my, uh, uh, there must be other things. So perhaps my, my good parenting skills or my love for my wife or my, or my husband or my children or my care for my elderly parents. Surely all those things, they must, they must contribute something to help uh, God think that I'm a, I'm a nice person. Surely my service of my country would do the same. 
Maybe my sacrifice in doing that would do the same. But the answer is no. Actually, we contribute nothing to our salvation. Salvation is a gift, a gift of God, a free gift. Or if you like, it's a rescue. It's a rescue. Now, we'll think about this a little bit later on, but uh, that's the beach in Dunkirk. Possibly the greatest rescue in history. And uh, uh, 338,000 troops were rescued from the beaches and from the, uh, the harbour wall, the mole at Dunkirk. And uh, as you know, the Allied troops were in a, in a helpless and a hopeless situation, unable to do anything to save themselves. And then, uh, well, numbers vary. Some people think it was just 400 little ships went out. Uh, I've read elsewhere there were 800 little ships went out to rescue them from the beach. And my guess is that none of the soldiers who were rescued would have boasted about how well they had done. They were just immensely grateful that they had been rescued. Certainly Anna's uncle uh, was one of them. He was at Dunkirk and he would never have said if, uh, anything that other than it was a wonderful rescue. And if the soldiers did claim the credit for themselves, then they would have been stealing the credit, and if you like, the glory, from those brave civilians, mostly, who took their little ships over the channel to the, uh, the war zone on Dunkirk Beach. And with salvation, the salvation that Christians love to talk about, if we claim any credit at all, we are simply stealing the glory from God, because the glory for our salvation is rightly his alone. So at the bottom of the front page on our little handouts here, Galatians 1, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Not to you. Not to me, not to any human being, but to God our Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Second point I want to make this morning as we think about the glory of God alone is the reformers lived and died for the glory of God alone. The Reformation rediscovered that actually everyday life is the context where we will want to give glory to God alone. Before the Reformation happened, most people thought that, uh, well, getting to church on a Sunday was the big thing. So get to church on Sunday. It's the only thing that really matters. So you get to church, go to the Mass and so on. You've done your duty for the week. You've glorified God on Sunday, and then you can live how you like for the rest of the week. That's a characterization, okay? The reformers said, no, actually, it's round the other way. What we want to do, it's not quite round the other way, what we want to do is we want to live for God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and actually Sunday is a day that helps us to do that. So the reason we come to church is not just to give glory to God one day a week, but to do it now, today, yes, of course, but also so it will help us to live for God the rest of the week. And that's why they said, well, teaching the Bible is a really good thing because the Bible, properly explained, is God speaking to us and helps us know how we can live for God the rest of the week. So it's saying, they were saying the whole of life is about this. So, for instance, uh, Hebrews 13, 21, um, which is talking about uh, Jesus equipping us with ev- everything good for doing his will, not just on a Sunday, but every day. 
And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, not just on Sunday, but every day through Jesus Christ. And guess what? To whom be glory forever and ever. And so our religion then becomes an everyday affair, uh, an everyday affair of thankfulness and joy. Um, uh, And that happens in the whole of life, whether it's at school or in the office or at home or in the parade grounds or in the trenches, everywhere, seeking to glorify God in how we live our lives. And a life of seeking to live our lives and to glorify God in a joy and thankfulness for all that he's done for us, that changes what life's about, doesn't it? And reformers saw that. They wanted to glorify God in their lives day by day by day. Um, And also, they died for it. We had staff day out to Oxford back in uh, September and uh, uh, I took the guys down Broad Street just on the wall of Brazenose College there. There's just a little um, plaque uh, saying that uh, Archbishop Thomas Cranmer and the two bishops, Latimer and Ridley, uh, um, uh, were uh, uh, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned at the stake just in the middle of Broad Street there, just a few paces away. Uh, the first two to be burned there were... Uh, Uh, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. They were burned back to back. And our Latimer room and Cranmer room are named after them. They gave their lives for the things that we just so easily take for granted. And as they were, Latimer actually was about 80 when he he was burned at the stake in the middle of Oxford. Uh, He was the first to die and he shouted through the flames. It's actually written on the little thing we've got in the latter room. He said, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And unfortunately for Master Ridley, the wood at his feet had been badly laid and he died in terrible agony as first of all his legs were burned off before the rest of his body was touched. And they gave their lives for their belief in a great God to whom should be given the glory every day of our lives. And the next thing to say is this, the glory of God alone, actually life is for the glory of God alone. So have a look at Jude 24, 25 there. Uh, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, this is just in life, and to present you before his glorious presence, that's at the end of life, without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. I don't know if you know that uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was uh, a committed Christian. And when he was satisfied with a composition, he would just put uh, three letters at the bottom, S, D, G, at the end of the score, Soli Deo Gloria, exactly what we have on the screen there, the glory of God alone. And he believed the glory of God rings out through creation and it brings joys, joy to people wherever it is appreciated. And so he wrote music to the glory of God alone. About 120 years after the Reformation got going, there were about 120 scholars went at Westminster uh, to write the necessary documents for the Reformed Church in England. And the result was the Westminster Shorter Catechism teaching document. And, uh, and it's in a question and answer form. The first question is this. What is the chief end of man? 
Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So do you want to know what life is about? Well, that's what life is about. Life is about this, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So Romans 3.27, for instance, there, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Not hate him, not be afraid of him, but enjoy God forever. And so in life, they they were saying, they discovered, and they were saying that life is simply a matter of joy and thankfulness to God for what he's done for us, for, for Christian people, for saving us, for giving us all that we need in our lives today and to live for him forever. And we want to glorify God as we seek to live lives that are obedient to God and as we therefore seek to serve other people as well. And so happiness is not found in our looks or our money or our career. Those will only fade and ultimately they'll disappoint. A deep, lasting, satisfying happiness is found in the all-glorious God. So we want to live for his glory, for the glory of God alone. So we've seen Reformation thoughts for the glory of God alone. The reformers lived and died to the glory of God alone. And life is for the glory of God alone. And then finally, uh, history is for the glory of God alone. Now, on this Remembrance Sunday, not many of us would want to say that war would be for the glory of God. It should be a last resort when there's a very severe problem to, uh, to resolve. I guess the results of war could be to the glory of God. You could see uh, that if the world is rid of a brutal dictator and there's no other way of doing that after the last resort of war, that could be for the glory of God. And there can certainly be times and events and people in a war which would be for the glory of God. In a war, we so often see the worst of mankind. We see it on our television screens day by day just on, don't we? But in a, in a war, we can also sometimes see the very best of mankind. And today we remember those who have given their lives in the service of their country. We remember those who have died, those who still live with life-changing injuries, those who had just extraordinary courage. I'll tell you just briefly about one man, Norman Jackson. He was a, a flight engineer, a sergeant in a Lancaster, April 1944. They just dropped their bombs over Germany. They got up to 20,000 feet. They were taken on by a, a, a German fighter. Jackson himself was injured, and the starboard wing was on fire. And what happened next sounds like a Bond film, but it's true. Jackson said uh, to the pilot, um, I'll go out onto the wing and seek to put it out. So he grabbed a fire extinguisher, put it down his front, put on a parachute, went up through the escape hatch, which is above the pilot on the Lancaster, and crawled out at 200 miles an hour and 20,000 feet. As he was leaving the escape hatch, his, his parachute got uh, released into the cockpit. The guys in the cockpit held onto the parachute. He clambered down onto the wing, and then he stumbled, and he fell, and he was gripping onto the, fort, the, the leading edge of the wing on the right wing, which was aflame. And then he got engulfed by the flames, his stick back further, and then he fell off the wing altogether at 20,000 feet. 
His mangled parachutes, damaged and burning, followed him. And he went down to the ground rather rapidly. And he broke his ankle when he landed. But apart from that, he survived. The next morning, he crawled into a village where he was uh, made a prisoner of war. And uh, then the the Germans looked after him. And then at the end of the war, he was repatriated. Four of his uh, uh, um, comrades on the plane also survived. And, uh, and then I find the most extraordinary thing about that was that he didn't tell anyone what he'd done. And it only came out when at the end of the war, uh, his four guys, his four fellow um, flyers uh, who were with him told the story. And Norman Jackson was awarded the VC by King George VI on the 13th of November, 1945. And he lived till 1994. And he died age 74 and he's buried in Twickenham Cemetery. And today we honour people and remember people like Norman Jackson. But also we want to uh, remember, I said I'd come back to Dunkirk and uh, tell you a little bit about that. Um, it is extraordinary. On the 10th of May 1940, Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France and Belgium and the British expeditionary force, along with the soldiers of other allied nations, found themselves with their back to the sea and hemmed in by the German forces. And the German high command was confidently boasting that they were about to annihilate the British army. And Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the nation an unprecedented military catastrophe involving the capture or the death of a third of a million soldiers. It didn't happen. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, uh, King George VI asked that the following Sunday should be a national day of prayer. And late in the evening of the day before, they made a decision to ask for their little ships to go. And on that Sunday, churches were overflowing. People were queuing to get into the cathedrals. And, uh, uh, and then the, gradually the uh, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred, whatever his little ships, were gradually gathered to cross the channel to Dunkirk. And three extraordinary things happened. One, for some unbeknown reason, an inexplicable reason, Hitler gave the order for the troops to halt for three days. Two, on Tuesday the 28th of May, the bad weather grounded the Luftwaffe. Three, On Wednesday, the next day, the sea was just extraordinarily calm, making the evacuation actually remarkably easy. And altogether, over 338,000 troops were snatched from the beaches of Dunkirk, including 140,000 French, Dutch, Danish, Polish troops as well. Extraordinary. And then uh, two Sundays later, on the 9th of June, 1940, they declared a national day of thanksgiving. And encouraged by Churchill himself, the phrase, the miracle of Dunkirk, began to circulate. And today, 77 years later, we again thank God for the miracle of Dunkirk. And we give him the glory. Glory to God alone. It needs to be part of life. Giving glory to God alone. It was rediscovered at the Reformation. And the Reformers lived and died to the glory of God alone. So this week, let's live our lives to the glory of God alone. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for our salvation. And we pray that you would help us to live our lives for the glory of God alone.